Uh, this morning I will be speaking from John chapter 5. It's not, uh, I, I know Angelina was, I just got, didn't give her the information, so, but she's really quick, and so I think she'll bring it up on the screen behind me. Uh, it's not correct in your bulletin because, again, that was my fault. Uh, but John chapter 5, uh, verse 1. Uh, last week we looked at John chapter 9, uh, a healing story where Jesus healed the man born blind. Uh, this is another healing story. Uh, the, whatever the infirmity the man has that was healed of, where it's not entirely clear from the, the, the scripture. He's de, de, uh, described as an invalid, obviously had some mobility issues. I'm not sure if he was paralyzed or uh, what exactly, but uh, another healing story, John chapter 5. Some time later, Jesus went up to Jerusalem for a feast of the Jews. Now there is in Jerusalem near the Sheep Gate a pool, which in Aramaic is called Bethsaida, which is surrounded by five covered colonnades. Here a great number of disabled people used to lie, the blind, the lame, the paralyzed. One who was there had been an invalid for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he had been in this condition for a long time, he asked him, Do you want to get well? Sir, the invalid replied, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. While I am trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. Then Jesus said to him, Get up, pick up your mat, and walk. At once the man was cured. He picked up his mat and walked. The day on which this took place was the Sabbath, and so the Jews said to the man who had been healed, It is the Sabbath. The law forbids you to carry your mat. But he replied, The man who made me well said to me, Pick up your mat and walk. So they asked him, Who is this fellow who told you to pick it up and walk? The man who was healed had no idea who it was, for Jesus had slipped away into the crowd that was there. Later Jesus found him at the temple and said to him, See, you are well again. Stop sinning or something worse may happen to you. The man went away and told the Jews that it was Jesus who had made him well. So because Jesus was doing these things on the Sabbath, the Jews persecuted him. Jesus said to them, My father is always at his work to this very day, and I too am working. For this reason the Jews tried all the harder to kill him. Not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but he was even calling God his own Father and making himself equal with God. The word of the Lord. Well, one of the things that I found most intriguing about this story is Jesus' simple question. Do you want to get well? At first, it seems like a pretty dumb question. Uh, of course the man wants to get well. He's been lying there as an invalid for 38 years. I already mentioned, we don't know if he was paralyzed or uh, just lame, maybe he had weak legs, who knows his, his specific condition, but he's been there for 38 years. He's unable to care for himself. He's unable to work. He can't go where he wants to go. He can't do what he wants to do. He can't even get into the pool on his own. Uh, the tradition was uh, that, you, that we read in the story that uh, 
Uh, there was a, a pool, and, and there was the belief that this pool had some kind of healing properties. I don't know if it had some kind of a natural spring, but uh, there's, uh, for whatever reason, every once in a while, the water would, would be stirred, uh, and, and the belief was that an angel had touched the water, and that the first one in the pool would, would be healed. And so uh, the sick gathered around this pool, and, and the man himself says, you know, I'm not fast enough to get in the pool. I, I don't have anyone to help me get in. As a deformed person, uh, this man would have been excluded from fellowship in the community. He wouldn't be able to go in, into the temple, participate in the life of the temple. Uh, it's interesting, actually, if you notice where Jesus finds him after the healing, it says that Jesus ran into him in the temple, uh, a place where he would have previously been excluded. Do you want to get well? I mean, the guy is lying next to the miracle pool. He's been waiting there for 38 years. Of course he wants to get well. It's like asking a, a big guy sweating it out at the gym, do you want to lose weight? Of course the guy wants to get well. On the one hand, it's a dumb question. But, but we all know as human beings that, that things are, always, are not always so cut and dry. Uh, the thing is, as much as our issues, as much as our conditions, our infirmities and our sins torment us, we can get kind of used to them. We get into comfort zones. Uh, for this man, as de debilitating, as limiting as his deformity was, it had become his identity, who he, who, who he was. Uh, for 38 years, it, it probably even brought him some advantages. You know, he had no responsibility, no expectations. Uh, if Jesus had healed him, it might have been nice for a day or two or, or even a couple of weeks, but then what? He'd have to get a job. He'd have to get a career. Um, one of the commentators said this, a beggar loses a good living by being cured of his disease. Uh, in fact, that's what happens. Jesus heals him, and it brings trouble right away. Right away, there's trouble brought to the man. He gets in trouble for carrying his mat. He gets interrogated about who exactly healed him and how it happened. Similar to the, to the man in the story last week, uh, the healing actually brings bring some, uh, some trouble for the man. Uh, for those of us, uh, for those who, who have, uh, you know, wrestled with, with addiction or substance abuse, uh, it, this is a very much a reality, very true. Uh, the, the physical aspect of, of not using the substance is only one part of the equation. Uh, often equally challenging is, is overcoming the mental side. You know, uh, who am I if, if I'm no longer an addict, if I'm no longer defined by this behavior? You know, how will I make a living? Where will I find friendship and community? Uh, what will I do with my time? All those things change, uh, and so our whole identity is, is shattered. Well, what would it mean for you if Jesus stood over you and asked this question, do you want to get well? What would he be referring to? What would it mean? Uh, one thing we notice is that the man doesn't directly answer the question. Uh, he doesn't view Jesus as, as a source of healing. In fact, he doesn't even know who Jesus was. Even, even after he's been healed, he can't answer the question, who, who is the one who healed you? He says, I don't know. He, Jesus has slipped off into the crowd. He had put his hope for healing uh, into the powers of, of the, that water, that, that pool. And his answer was more or less an excuse. You know, I'm not quick enough. I don't have anyone to help me. 
It seems that after 38 years, uh, it makes sense after 38 years, the man was convinced that, that wellness was more or less impossible. He was resigned to the fact that this was his condition, for better or worse. Uh, John Calvin, he wrote this about the man. He says, the sick man does what we nearly all do. He limits God's help to his own ideas and does not dare promise himself more than he conceives in his mind. I, I think that's why we struggle with the doctrine of holiness. Uh, and, and our tradition is, is the holiness tradition. But, but our doctrine, our belief is that, that God can radically change our nature so that instead of being slaves to sin and selfishness, we can truly become people who are, are good and loving. Uh, yet our experience leads us to believe that we're stuck, that, that we are slaves to our sinful ways, because that's what we know. Uh, all our experiences is sin, sinfulness, our selfishness, and, and so we make excuses. You know, I'm only human. I've tried, I've tried, I've tried, I've tried for years, for 38 years. And I failed. You know, it's just genetic. It's, it's, it's uh, the family I came from. Uh, that's just the way I am. Or, or perhaps we blame others. I don't have the help I need. The thing is that, that we look to ourselves to fix the problem. And, and we've, we've tried for a long time. We know we don't have the strength or the resources to fix ourselves. Uh, the good news from this text from scriptures is that God doesn't ask us or expect us to fix ourselves. He sent his son. And it's Jesus who stands before us asking the question, do you want to be well? Uh, interesting enough, uh, a side note as, as I was studying the scripture, and for those of you who like allegories, uh, you'll like this one, but, but Deuteronomy chapter 2 uh, speaks of the, the 38 years, 38 years, same number, that Israel wandered in the desert. Uh, for 38 years, Israel wandered in the desert because they looked at the fortified cities in the promised land. They looked at the giants and they said to God, nope, can't do that. It's not possible. Uh, we're just going to have to go back to Egypt. And, and that can be our story too. You know, we, we've been forgiven. We say, thank God, you know, I'm your child. But we still live in slavery to our infirmities, our brokenness, our various ailments. And, and, and we say, well, God, thanks for forgiving me. But, you know, this is, this is who I am. And, and I appreciate your love and, and calling me your child. But uh, I, I look forward to, to heaven and one day I'll be, be made new. But uh, this is who I am. It could be addictive behaviors, it could be a self-destructive behavior, it could be anger, whatever it might be. And we convince ourselves it's okay, it's normal, it's just the way it's going to be. Uh, perhaps we would love to be healed, but we're not open to the process, to the, the means. Uh, one, as I was reflecting on this, one story that came to my mind was the story of Naaman in the Old Testament. Naaman the Syrian. Uh, Naaman was a powerful man. Uh, he was a foreigner. He wasn't an Israelite. Uh, and, and he got leprosy. He got leprosy bad. And, and he was in a de desperate situation. And, and uh, Naaman had a slave girl, an Israel, Israelite slave girl. And, and uh, this girl told him about the prophet Elisha. And, and told him how there's a man in Israel, a prophet Elisha. And, and he could heal you. 
And so Naaman went to see the prophet Elisha, and Elisha sends a servant to see Naaman, and that, that annoyed Naaman. He said, I'm a powerful man. I want, I want to talk to the prophet directly. I don't, I don't want to talk to a servant. And, and Elisha had sent a message, you know, uh, bathe yourself in the Jordan River seven times, and, and you'll be made well. And Na- Naaman looked at the Jordan River and said, oh, that's, a, that's a dirty river. I'm not going to get in that river. I'm not going to humiliate myself by doing something silly just to be laughed at. And uh, Naaman initially was too stubborn, so he actually returns and, and uh, goes back home. And and, and uh, eventually, you know, he gets convinced. Well, why not just try it? I mean, you got not, you got nothing to lose. But he was too stubborn and too proud. I'm not going to get into that dirty river and make a fool of myself. And, and how true that is of us too. You know, we sit in our brokenness. We realize our, our need for God's help. But we say, in no way, in no way am I going to open myself up, make myself vulnerable. Uh, No way am I going to go to a friend or a pastor and admit my struggle. There's no way I'm going to get down on my knees at an altar in front of the church. You know, what about if I start crying? What's everyone going to think? So we hide our infirmities because we're too proud to admit that we are weak, that we need help. You know, we do have a, a tremendous blessing, a tremendous resource we have in the family of God and brothers and sisters who love us, who pray for us, encourage us. But we are afraid. Will they still welcome me if they knew of my struggle, if they knew of my sin? So we struggle on. Uh, a couple other comments, uh, another side point. Uh, let's look brief, briefly at the religious leaders. Uh, simply called the Jews in this passage. What was preventing them from getting well? It was actually their religion. Their religious rules prevented them from welcoming and receiving and celebrating God's grace in their midst. I could easily go on a rant here, but but I do realize my own guilt as well. Uh, I have been frustrated at times, and I'm sure many people are frustrated these days. Many Christians are frustrated these days with with organized religion, with the, with the institutional church. And there was one time in my ministry that that I was particularly frustrated. You know, a pastor can get frustrated at at the church they pastor. <laughs> That's a fault that uh, that we have. But uh, there was a man that that came off the street and. Uh, you know, God was working his heart. He came to the church for help. We were able to help him with some uh, some needs that he had. But I was also able to, to uh, visit with him, and, and he was open and shared about some of his struggles. And we prayed, and I was excited about what God was doing in his life. And, and he showed up for church. And uh, he, he had made himself vulnerable coming to church. But on that day, the church wasn't a safe place. And uh, someone in the church, you know, they knew that we had helped this man out. And uh, they observed him smoking uh, in front of the church. And, and they said, oh, you can afford to smoke. Uh, you know, we had, we had helped him out with some, some groceries and stuff. And, and, said, and, and so they gave him a hard time about his smoking. Uh, he told me later, actually, he couldn't afford to smoke that. He actually went and picked butts out of ashtrays. Um, but this, this person in the church, uh, a religious person, uh, chastised him for a smoking condition, didn't see what God was doing in this man's heart, was more concerned about those religious rules. 
And I'm sure there are times that I've had planks in my own vision as well. Blind to what God is doing in my midst, in our midst. Caught up in my own solutions, in, in the own, it, uh, figuring that I know the ways that God works and doesn't work. Established religion can actually prevent us from see, seeing the work of God done. They had put God in a box. They had assumed that God only worked in certain ways for certain kinds of people. Uh, another uh, conversation this, this passage raises is what is wellness? Uh, do you want to be made well? The Hebrew word is shalom. And it's much more than physical health. It's much more than, than an absence of, uh, of war. Uh, it, it, it's an a, a overall wholeness, a well-being. Uh, the man in the story was physically healed. But but we see later that he still wasn't well. Something was still off. So we have Jesus' uh, rather cryptic uh, rebuke at the end, stop sinning at the end of the story. We don't have much more of the details. Uh, we don't have any details of what Jesus was referring to. Uh, there's so many people, and there's many people, uh, yeah, that have physical ailments, uh, even severe deformities, uh, who still embody God's shalom. Uh, there are many people who, who are paralyzed or who will never be uh, restored physically here on earth. But they still have God's shalom, wholeness, and wellness in their life. Uh, wellness is much more than physical healing. In this life, God doesn't give sight to every blind person or raise uh, many who are paralyzed. But there is a greater peace that God offers us. Do we want to be made well? Or are we content to remain as we are? Uh, Barclay, uh, a commentator on the passage, he says, the, the first essential towards receiving the power of Jesus is, is the intense desire for it. If in our inmost hearts we are well content to stay as we are, there can be no change for us. The story does help us identify a number of common problems or excuses. Uh, for one, it's, it's just losing hope, getting comfortable. You know, this is just the best there is. Uh, the other the other problem is looking in the wrong place, uh, uh, looking for for the wrong solution. Uh, I think it's Dallas Willard that that talks about this and calls it sin management. Uh, when, when we think about about our, our behavior, our sin, how how do we deal with that? Well, we think I'm going to have to fix this myself. I need to set up some strategies. Uh, I need to uh, clean myself up, and then 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 I'll be worthy of receiving God's help. Uh, he talks about sin management versus sin solution. And, and the healing is not doesn't come from our, our own efforts, from our own strategies, but the healing comes from God. Now, now certainly it's a partnership, and, and often we have to uh, partner with God and, and take specific steps uh, to allow God's grace into our life. But, but God is the source of healing. What must I be do? We ask the question, what must I do to be made well? What must I do? It's the wrong question. Uh, uh, in verse 14, Jesus actually says to the man, look, look, see, you have been made well. See, you have been made well. Now live into it. Jesus has already made us well. His work is completed. You know, we say, I I'm only human. 
as if all we can expect is, is slavery and failure. But Jesus has redefined what it means to be human. We're, we're not only human. We are children of the King. Scripture says that, that we are saints, holy ones, made holy by the blood of Jesus. Scripture tells us that we're filled with the Spirit of the living God, that God has given us His Spirit and everything we need for, for godliness. And so what Scripture is saying, and I think what Jesus is saying to this man, is be who you are. Live into who you already are. Uh, imagine, uh, if, for instance, that we were paralyzed. And Jesus had healed us. How foolish we would be if, if we kept lying, begging by the, by the side of the pool. If we, if we kept allowing ourselves to be uh, carried around. If we stayed restricted to our wheelchair. Uh, Paul puts it this way. He says, you know, should we keep on sinning? Should we keep on living in our sin now that we've been forgiven because God is gracious and he forgives us? Should we just keep on sinning? And Paul says, no way. That's no longer who we are. The past has been crucified. We're no longer that person. We're new creations. And so what the New Testament is saying is, is believe it. Celebrate it. Live it. This is who we are. This is what God has given us. Jesus stands before us with open arms and he asks, do you want to be made well? Uh, in fact, I think he stands before us with open arms and says, you have been made well. You are my child. Today we're invited again to his table. And the bread and the cup are Jesus' body and blood, his very life given for us. This same cross that enables our forgiveness, our acceptance, also enables our healing, also enables our wholeness and our restoration. Do you want to be made well? Come to the table and receive these gifts with thanksgiving. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, how odd we are that in the midst of our brokenness, knowing who we are, our sin, knowing how we've turned our back on you and spit in your face, knowing that you never turn your back on us, that you welcome us, that you give your life for us, that we might be your children, that we might sit at your table, that we might share your nature. We pray today for faith. We pray today that you'd help us believe this is who we are. This is our calling. This is our identity, that we are citizens of heaven, children of the King. And enable us to walk in that confidence, in that welcome. We thank you, Lord, that you have made us well. We pray today that as we come to the table that we'd again receive your grace and help in our time of need. That we'd find in the, in the bread and the cup uh, resources to live as you have made us to be. That we would walk 
no longer in sin, but in love, filled with patience and godliness, humility, self-control. Lord, we thank you for the family of God, the church, and we pray that you would make us into a community as well that reflects your nature, that we would be well, that we would be a community that is uh, safe and encouraging, that welcomes the broken, that lifts them up, that, that uh, calls each other out to be who you've called us to be. Lord, we recognize that in many ways our brokenness, our, our sins, our, our uh, misguided, um, misguided methods to, tr- to try to fill voids and holes in our life that, that can only be filled by you. And we pray today that as we come to, our ta- uh, come to the table that we would truly know your welcome and your love. That we would no longer seek uh, satisfaction in, in things that, that only bring destruction and hurt. We thank you that you give so generously to us. We pray this all in Christ's name. Amen.